You're listening to a premium preview episode of the Flux Pod. And I play a little bit of an episode uh, that is a premium episode for, for Patreon listeners only. Uh, this episode features Sam Humphreys, who is a comic book writer. He's the cool dude. Uh, look him up on Twitter. Good, good, just a good follow. You know, in this episode, we talk about a whole lot of stuff. It's just a free form, just dudes hanging out kind of episode. We talk about Prince. We talk about uh, Minneapolis. We talk about, you know, in, in general, Minneapolis in general. Uh, we, we, you know, we compare 80s pop stars to DC comic book superheroes. We talk about Radiohead, Beck, uh, live venues. I have a story about Steely Dan. Uh, imports, DVDs, talk about drum and bass. A whole bunch of stuff. It's it's fun, a good time. Uh, this and all the other uh, premium episodes you can get for five dollars a month on patreon.com slash flux blog. I encourage you to uh, sign up. And uh, we've got some good ones coming up soon. Uh, there's one uh, premium episode featuring the writer Sean T. Collins, which uh, is going to be real good. Look, really looking forward to getting that one out. But yeah, uh, sign up. It'll be cool. Uh, here's Sam Humphreys. Um, speaking of surprises at shows, I, I had this in mind to tell you about First Avenue. Um, went to go see the Mike Watt tour there. And this was when he was touring for Ball Hog or Tugboat, which I know you know this album because you put a song from there on a recent playlist. And I was. Oh, yeah. Well, against the 70s with Eddie Vedder and Dave Grohl. That's such a great song. It's an incredible song. It's it's such a great song. And that album is still so unique to this day because he had like what, like 20 to 30 guest stars and they're all luminaries of the indie rock world throughout the entire album and famously the only woman or one of two women on there was Kathleen Hanna leaving a voicemail to him about how she didn't want to participate in his like dude rock album which is <laughs> funny on a number of levels I asked him if he knew what time he had he said he wasn't sure You know, and, and and I like the album, but often with First Avenue, the tickets were so cheap that you're just like, oh, I'll just I'll just go to the show because all my friends are going. And it'll be a fun night because I'm going to spend like eight dollars on this ticket. Um, and the both the opening acts, we didn't know who they were, but that was like very common for a First Ave show. And we went there and the first act, it was literally the Foo Fighters, but still with Chris Novoselic. Wait, I didn't even know Novoselic was involved at any point. He, at least on that tour, this was before their album came out. We didn't even know the name Foo Fighters. And it it made sense because then, of course, they, they had all played 
Pat Smear was there too, as I remember, and they all played on the Mike Watt album. They're one of the many guests. So we we're like, holy shit, oh my God. And it was like, you know, Kurt Cobain had died and that, you know, was still like very fresh. Um, and to see them all together, it, it, was, it was literally like, it was literally Nirvana without Kurt Cobain. Um, wow. It, it's kind of interesting to think about if uh, Chris Novoselic just kind of stuck with it and it would have really forced a comparison to New Order. Yeah, that's it's, very true. Because Foo Fighters ends up being like Dave Kroll and his and his crew. But if you have Dave you know, Kroll and his amazing and, and Pat Smear is in, he's in that, but it's like it's, because he was basically a hired hand, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have necessarily the same resonance. But right, yeah, if you have exactly. But if you have him and Chris Novoselic, but that just becomes the Nirvana New Order. And then, and I wonder if for. For Novoselic or Grohl or anybody, if that was like part of the calculations, like I love you guys, I love playing with you guys, but I just can't be in like the new order of Nirvana. Like I can't do that. Yeah. Um, but the the second opening act, which we had also never heard of, was wait. Now I'm confused. It, it was either hoverboard or hovercraft. Does that does that ring a oh, bell? Hovercraft, you? right? That's Eddie Vedder and his ex wife. Exactly, exactly. Hovercraft. So the second band was Eddie Vedder coming out on stage and singing, and a, you know, a, once and this is like 1995. Well. This is like this yeah. is like Eddie Vedder at this at this. I don't. I think people can, these days don't quite understand how big Pearl Jam was through the first half of the 90s. Like, oh yeah. This, it's a level massive. of fame that was just almost like mind boggling. Like he was mm-hmm. like he had a similar place in culture that Taylor Swift has now. Yeah, like I think that so. level of like yeah. fame and also people just being like yes. really just like almost like alarmingly obsessed with him. Yeah, it's it's tough to judge because he's so much more reticent than Taylor. But beyond that, and of course, like whatever social media didn't exist then, et cetera, et cetera. But yes, he he had that level of fame. Um, and and you're right, people were obsessed with him and, and dissecting his uh, lyrics and all that kind of shit. And to see him even in 1995 in a club like First Avenue was improbable. Like Pearl Jam, if they had ever played First Avenue, which, uh, which they probably did before 10 hit, but like they certainly were not not playing first avenue at that point yeah. um i actually just checked to see what the uh the capacity is so it's a thousand five hundred which is wow. pretty good so like in new york city terms like that's like yeah. twice the size of bowery ballroom so it's like it's a, it's oh, a it's yeah. a it's like okay. a, a decently sized club it's like uh um, yeah, yeah i think maybe it'd be similar to webster hall here so right. I, don't, I don't i'm not sure what the la version of that would be necessarily no maybe but, like the echo or the echoplex I've only ever actually been to like arena and stadium shows in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, uh, that's a bummer. I'm sorry. Oh God, I, I I have I had like this really really weird experience. Uh, I think it's the last time I was in LA um, where I saw Steely Dan uh, play at the Forum in Inglewood. And oh, wild! <laughs> and like I am, I am not a stoner. I don't really have a lot of stories yeah. with drugs but this is one yeah. where i where, the, where i do have a story where um i w- was there for work for like a week or so but i mm-hmm. knew that like most of my friends weren't going to be available so i was like okay right. i guess I'll, I'll i'll maybe what you know what i can just legally get some uh edibles and yes. you know uh i'll when, see a movie when in los angeles do as los angeles right because i remember like i saw so yeah, I did that and I got some edibles and like I saw Solo by myself at the the theater that's kind of by the amoeba, the kind of the dome thing. Um, yeah. uh, what is, the, what is uh, it, Arclight? 
Yeah. Yep. Sitting around um, the dome. Yeah, it was, it was not in the dome, though, unfortunately, but it was okay. that place. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I I took like one thing. I was like, OK, yeah, that didn't really have much of an effect on me. But then I also had like a, a gummy thing, like a, like a, maybe like the size of like a, your tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, and me being a person who doesn't really engage with this very much, I didn't realize like how many grams of THC it was going to be. So right. I had a full 100 uh, Graham. Yo. And I was by the time. <laughs> so like the, the, the band opening for Steely Dan was oh, uh, the Doobie Brothers, but Doobie Brothers without Michael oh. McDonald. So it's like right. pretty awful. And like, right. like, you know, they're not going to play what like, a fool believes is sublime with Rome. Yeah. Well, it's, it is, it's like the Doobie Brothers and Michael, Michael McDonald kind of comes into that band later. Oh, okay. so okay. yeah. But yeah, so I was perfectly sober for this horrible Doobie Brothers set. Uh, but really, uh, just before Steely Dan went on, like the thing just hit and I was like in the, oh. I was in the cosmos and it was also enough oh. that I felt sick to my stomach. Uh. And like, I, I literally had to run out and puke midway through the show. And like, I'm also oh, in a, bro. I'm in a city oh. where I, I don't, oh. where I don't live. I'm at a yeah. hotel, like a, a way on the other side of town. Yeah. So I'm staying in Hollywood. Um, yep. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm at this arena alone. I'm in the middle of an aisle and it's not easy to walk in and out of those aisles when everyone's kind of Oh, there God, to see a no. show. It was like people have been just, to the forum before. The forum is where the Lakers played all through the eighties and nineties. That's what the venue is for. So imagine yeah. being it's a it's a cool looking venue. It, it has because it's kind of like yeah. freestanding and it it looks like a, a forum. You know, it's yeah. it has mm-hmm. like and one of the things I've always liked about LA is that like there is like this like a uh, real commitment to decor. Uh, especially a kitschy <laughs> decor. Um, yep. mm-hmm. hey, so I don't know, maybe that's not the best example, but like I can think of lots of like bars and like restaurants and things like that, where it's like everything has to have like a theme. Right. Maybe that harkens back to like, what do they call it? The architecture where you make a building look like something like the Brown Derby looks like a hat. Is it called programmatic? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure an architecture nerd will tweet at, the right answer at us, but, but maybe it goes back to that. Cause LA has like a very long history of programmatic asterisk, uh, architecture. Oh yeah. And you just kind of see like things that are built to look like a, uh, you know, like a hot dog or whatever, like whatever it's going to yeah. be. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's always kind of like this novelty factor in decor and architecture that, you know, being a person who's lived pretty much, well, I, I've pretty much, I've lived my entire life in New York, except for like a little, are you a native New Yorker? Yeah. I'm from the Hudson Valley. Uh, okay, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, I've, I've lived in like Southern New York my entire life. Yes. Uh, absolutely. so, you know, that's like my frame of reference is, is, is New York, but it's also like the East coast and that's not quite as common, you know? And like, I think like the aesthetics are just different. So whenever I go to LA or just, I guess California generally, but especially LA, um, yeah. there is like, there's like this, uh, kitschy, cute energy that I just really enjoy. Because it's so yeah. different from what I'm used to. Like, I've always, I think one of the reasons I like LA probably the most of any other place I've been in New York, aside from New York City in the United States, is because it's like, it has everything that 
I like about New York in terms of like the things that New York can supply, but yeah. it's otherwise just the complete opposite. So like, <laughs> it doesn't really force comparisons easily. Whereas like yeah. I can go to Chicago and literally there's no disrespect to Chicago. Chicago is a great city, but Chicago, it's very hard for me to engage with that without being like, yeah, this is kind of like New York. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it always feels like a lesser version in a way that's unfair to Chicago, but it, it's just like, because they're more similar, there is like a real point of comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did you get yourself safely out of the forum? Did you escape? <sighs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I well, I, I threw up during the song Dirty Work. I remember hearing that. <laughs> that that's kind of burned in my memory now. This um, is so it's very cinematic. And then I got back to the thing, uh, back to my seat, and kind of I, I got through the rest of the show, and then eventually got like a cab, and God knows how much I paid for that. Oh my God! It was like I, it was like it was, yeah, and it was Fuck a cab man. cab. I couldn't get an Uber or whatever. Like that was almost yeah. impossible. So I had to just get like one of the cabs that was there. But you know, whatever price it was, it, it did not break me, and I needed it. <laughs> Because yeah, I had to get back to that hotel. About doing it now, yes, exactly. It it <laughs> saved your ass. Yeah, and then I had to go to work the next day, and I was still like in like outer yeah. space when I was at work. It was so loopy. It's, it's yeah. It was like oh god. It's really one of the weirder experiences I've had, which probably sounds tame to a lot of people, but. Yeah, it was it was just a know. terrible decision on my part. Hundred grams of THC is pretty hardcore, hardcore Chuck. In the world words of Wolverine. Um, but yeah, the, the the forum is impossible to get out of, especially at the end of a concert. So it was good that you left early and just got a cab when you could. Oh no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't leave early. <laughs> that was a, oh, no, I probably should have. I probably should have. No, no, I stayed. I stayed straight through, man. It's got, I, I'm a big Steely Dan fan. I got to see what a true stuff. Steely Dan soldier. What a true Dan head, or whatever yeah. they call you people. Um, yeah, that's that's also the only time I've ever seen Steely Dan at a place other than the Beacon Theater. Oh, which is okay. it, which is kind of like a this kind of fancy theater on the Upper West Side where they kind of famously do like these long like like week or two of shows and that they've been doing oh, it for shit. years and years now, at least since yeah. the early to mid aughts. Um, there's a, wow. if you've ever seen uh, Oh Hello, they have they have a really good riff about that very thing in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I think he's like like it's very something to the effect of like comedy. Like, because they're t- giving you a history lesson. It's like September 11th through 17th, 2008 at the Beacon Theater. <laughs> Steely Dan, eight shows in a row. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, I mean, I've, and I've gone to a lot of those. Like the last, I mean, they, they had it again last year and I went to four, four out of wow, seven, I think. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So I've, but yeah, you know, so we were talking before about this, like seeing people play their albums. Like that's one where I have seen them play like a lot of their albums at this point. Yeah. Or at least all the ones that they will play straight through. Yeah. 